Captain. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children and babies, and Cajun Nation, welcome to another edition of the Region Review Podcast, Season 6, Episode 15. I'm Jerry. I'm here with Nick. Got a lot to talk about tonight. We'll start by talking about the South Alabama win, Cajuns victorious in Mobile over the weekend. Huge win for Raging Cajun football as they defeat the South Alabama Jaguars 33-20. to We'll talk about their upcoming opponent this weekend as the Cajuns head to Jonesboro, Arkansas to take on longtime rival Arkansas State. Talk a little bit about what's going on around the Sun Belt, where the Cajuns stand in the standings right now, and what are the certain scenarios that need to happen for the Cajuns to stay in the hunt for the Western Division. We'll talk a little bit about basketball as basketball season starts up. We'll talk some volleyball, soccer, a little bit of golf, and we got some diamond sports action this weekend as well. Again, I'm Jerry. I'm here with Nick. Nick, how are you, my friend? What's up, Gerald? Uh, I'm doing well, man. It You know, it's always better. It's always a better start to your week when not only do the Cajuns win. I mean, that it's in itself puts me in a good mood, but then you got the the Saints pulling off a huge win. Thank and goodness. that just that makes it like extra special. That's a good thing. Finally. Yeah, finally. finally. They played a complete game. The offense actually looked like they they had life. That was nice to see. Yes. Defense made some big plays. It was good to see them uh get a good road win. And uh really the schedule actually works out for them because they have Chicago coming up. Uh the Minnesota Vikings are on the schedule coming up in a few weeks. And they, I mean, they're without Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins out for the year. Um, so the schedule actually works in the Saints' favor. Hopefully, they don't find a way to botch it like they have the last couple of weeks, but you just never know with this. I team. was gonna say, Jerry, like they had an easy schedule to start off, and you saw what happened. So uh I'm not gonna put too much look, our our fans are something else, man. They were ready to fire everybody, which I'm still ready to fire everybody, but get rid of the entire team, kill the coaching staff, be done with it, move on to next season. And now they're like, Well, we're gonna make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, no, it's like no, two extremes. One, one game at a time. One game at a time. I think that's safe to say for all of our our teams right now. You know, the yes. Cajuns football team. Obviously, you have to take the one game at a time approach. With the Saints, it's pretty much hit or miss. You know, it's like you're it's like you're blindfolded and you throw darts at the dartboard and hope that it hits the bullseye. As I think that's where the Saints are right now. But it was good. It was a good weekend of sports. It was a good weekend for football, especially for us because we got to enjoy some wins consistently for the first time in a while. Yeah, with the Saints, with the with the Cajuns, you kind of expect them to win at this point. But like you said, it's so inconsistent with the Saints. It's like uh, it's like putting your hand in, in the in the box of boudin balls. You never know if you're going to get the one that gives you heartburn or the one that tastes really good. That's how the Saints are, <laughs> it seems like, from game to game. 
So, so Nick, I got to ask you, so I know you've hosted many watch parties. You seem like uh, the, the Doming household in Houston is sort of the center for all kind of activities. Were you? Did you give out a lot of candy last night for Halloween? You know, I was, I don't know what my problem was. I was a bah humbug last night. I wasn't in the best mood, um, but but my neighbors did get together. We did hand out candy. We we all, we don't do it like door to door. We all bring it together in the cul-de-sac and we give it out to kids there. They had a nice fire that we lit and I cooked a big gumbo. Um, usually I have a Halloween party, but it's on a Tuesday night. And that was really kind of like not the best night to do it. Now I will say we had a lot more attendance this year because the Astros weren't playing. Last year, nobody was trick-or-treating because everybody was at home watching the Strohs in the World Series. But this year, unfortunately, we had more kids because of that. But um, it was uh, it was fun. We had a good time, and the the neighbors are cool. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, man, one thing I've learned with having having children in the last year and a half, two years, is a lot of your childhood comes back through your child. You know, this is the second year in a row we took alley trick or treating, and we have the neighborhood behind our house where, you know, it wasn't that active, like it wasn't crazy, but there were a few scattered houses giving out candy and stuff, and we put her in the wagon, and I mean, it was a blast. I mean, I know we had a lot of cold weather come through, and I know that it's been kind of a drastic change, but even in spite of the weather, it was still a lot of fun to see Allie. I mean, she we we were baby sharks, so. She had her baby shark costume. We were playing the baby that. shark song on the uh, on the on the wagon. We decorated the wagon, made it look like water in the waves, and we had the neon the LED lights, and it was it was a lot of fun. But um, I tell you, man, I, I'm this time of year uh, for a while before Allie was born. You know, it was just another stretch of commercialized holidays, right? Thanksgiving, and now I mean, now we're hearing hearing jingle bells. Yesterday it was the Monster Mash to, and Thriller. Today it's jingle bells, right? But Having having children and having Allie, I mean, it, it's it's pretty cool because I feel like I get to experience my childhood again through her, if that makes any sense. Well, it I'm doesn't sure. because I don't have kids, but I have a dog <laughs> and she really enjoyed it. And speaking of yeah. dogs, I got to give a little shout out to my godchild. So most people know Coach Doe is my, is my brother and uh, my godchild, his son, is up in D.C. working for Senator John Kennedy. And uh, he actually made it to the front of USA Today um, doing the uh, apparently there's a dog uh, dress up contest in D.C. And uh, Mitt Romney was up there introducing them. And there's my godchild on the front page with his dog who dressed up like the the kid on from the movie It with the, you know, with the raincoat and the yeah. and the balloon. So that's what he dressed Tito, his dog up as. So well, that's uh, awesome. that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, that's really neat. And uh, no, no, it's it's crazy because. You know, we've been doing, I mean, we're on episode 15 already, and it seemed like just yesterday we were talking about going to the beach, going, enjoying our summer vacation. And now again, I, I go, if you go around to many stores or department stores or thrift stores around town, you're seeing Christmas trees being put up. It's crazy how fast football season this time of year, I mean, how quick it goes by. It's amazing. Oh, you knew it was coming when you started seeing the girls wearing the Uggs around campus. You're like, oh, it's it's, it's fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but but anyway, because because of that, right? We're we're getting into the nitty gritty of 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 football season, and uh, there's some fall sports that are getting into the nitty gritty of the postseason. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, we want to acknowledge our sponsors, and we got some 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 we got some some fresh meat. Got some new sponsors on. So let's talk a little bit about that, starting with Mr. Brett Venable, Recovery Chiromed ad. Have you been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain, but really don't want to deal with a long, drawn-out process? 
then call the chiropractor Raging Cajun athletes use for their neck and back pain, and that's Dr. Brett Venable. The bottom line is you just need to recover quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable can make all the difference. Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you, which include Opelousas, New Iberia, and the main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brett Venable is one of the few or very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He is also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board of Tulane School of Professional Advancement. So before you start to stress about the process, remember, this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you can't carry workman's comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Chiromed. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. Come and find out what our Raging Cajun athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337-988-2188. That's 337-988-2188 or visit recoverychiromed.com. And we want to thank Dr. Venable for being an RCAF member and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Raging Review podcast. Absolutely embroidery and more. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. At Rager Review, we actually got our gear from Mrs. Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and more. Absolutely has a massive inventory of Raging Cajun apparel to choose from. If you can't find something you like, Absolutely can make something you like. For example, my hat right there in the shop. And if your creation proves to be a popular item with other customers, Absolutely will give you a little incentive for helping out the cause. Bring in your vermilion and white shirts, hats, shorts, socks, dresses, jackets, sweaters, or whatever garment you need to represent the Cajuns. Absolutely also offers customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats, polos, uniforms, etc. Absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of excellent accessories for the Cajuns in your life. Earrings, headbands, bracelets, clutches, and bags are just a few options to make that Lady Cajun spicy look. So pass by 3010 Collie Saloon Road in Lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at Absolutely Embroidery and more today. They'll treat you to some quality Cajun's clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. If you're an out-of-town raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social media accounts on Instagram or Facebook. There, you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. And just from quick personal experience, I've been to their store. I try to go at least a few times every few weeks. There's always something new at this store. You'll see hats, t-shirts, any type of Raging Cajuns gear you're looking for. Pretty much what we've been talking about for years as far as apparel goes, absolutely hasn't. And like this said, or like they say, they will customize everything. Uh, that you ask for, especially when it comes to exclusive UL apparel. Shop where the Raging Review Boys shop, absolutely embroidery and more. So again, that's Dr. Brett Venable with Recovery Cairo Med and absolutely embroidery and more. Thank you guys so much for helping us here and sponsoring us at the Raging Review Podcast. All right, we got to think of a jingle for one of them. We got to think of a jingle that you got to sing because... You know, that that brings me joy. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, maybe I could create something. We'll, 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 we'll come figure up it with out. Something. We'll, figure we'll figure it out. out. We got time. We got time. 
But again, thank you so much to our sponsors. And um, now that we've done that, we've uh, acknowledged the people that help us pay our bills. Let's get the brass tacks. Cajuns, big win in Mobile last week over the South Alabama Jaguars, 33-20. to 20 was the score. Cajuns approved their record to five and three, two and two in conference play. And um, I got to say, it was probably the biggest win of the year up to this point. You know, there's a few things I wanted to talk about to kind of close the chapter on South Alabama. And, and the first one I wanted to talk about, Nick, and I wanted to kind of ask you point blank, do you think that had that game had the potential to be a quote unquote turning point, or was that just a game where they just played the way that we expected them to play all season long? What 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 do you see in that win in Mobile? Yeah, I don't I don't know the turning point because we weren't really on the downfall. I think we've just had a couple of disappointing losses that we thought we should have won, but as a whole, I don't think that for me at least that we were on the the trending downward i just think that we hadn't put together a complete game a full two halves of football in the same game that allowed us to get ahead and stay ahead it was always we get ahead and then we let them come back and or it was um you know we come from behind but it was never all put together in one game so i don't know that it was a turning point i know you said last week and i said no it's not a dis or, or over the weekend you said, is this a statement game? And I was like, no, nah, it's not really a statement game. But the more I thought about it for this season, that could be the statement that said, hey, we're here. Like we're 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 back to compete. Last year was a fluke. We're here again. We're back. And and I think that put people on notice. Good part of that is we saw a lot of great stuff. And I saw one of our fans comment. He knew coming off the bus and, and going into the stadium that we were going to win because of the attitude, the seriousness, the look on the players' faces. They were all business. They weren't they weren't joking around. Uh, South Alabama, I think, had a parade. They were throwing, you know, Mardi Gras beads and all that stuff. And we were pure business. So I think we went in there with a purpose. It showed in our play and execution. It showed in the coaching. We knew what we wanted to do and accomplish. And we did that. And now we have to build on that and do that every single game because even though we're taking on Arkansas State, that on paper, we should dominate Every single team now knows that statement game last week. Hey, they they beat South Alabama. You know, they could be competing for for the West title now. We want to take them down. And and that starts this weekend in, in with Arkansas State. So, I wouldn't say it's a turning point in the season, but I I do go back and say maybe this was the statement. Maybe this was putting other teams on notice that we are here and we're back. I think it really depends on how we finish the season and what we do in the next four games. To me, I feel like this game was sort of a gatekeeper for us. And I think I mentioned that last week. Like, if you win this game, there's no doubt you're going to build confidence and the team's going to realize, hey, this is what we're capable of. And I don't want to overlook anybody. And, and I know the coaching staff and the players have looked at this approach, even going into Jonesboro this weekend, one game at a time, right? Because we control our own destiny. That's been kind of the theme this week is now we control our own destiny if we want to get to that championship game. And I feel like this game was a game where if we wanted that opportunity, this was a must win. We could not have lost that game in Mobile to, not, to, to where we would have had an easier chance or even had a chance. We would have been behind the eight ball with three losses in conference. So 
to me, it depends on how we finish in the next few weeks, how we do this week, for example, how we do in the next game. I will say though, on paper, and I'm not, I don't want to overlook anybody, but on paper, Arkansas State and Southern Miss are not South Alabama. We already know that, right? We've seen it. We know it. So if, to me, if we could get to South Alabama the way we did and beat them the way we did, as long as we bring that same intensity, that same energy, and that same focus into Jonesboro, as well as Southern Miss in these, these next two games, I mean, we we again, we control our own destiny there. I don't see us, unless we take a step back, and we've seen this year in all of our losses, a lot of it's self-inflicted. A lot of times we really didn't get beat as much as we just didn't, we just didn't show up. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I mean, and, and that's just it. A lot of the losses that we suffered, look, again, Georgia State was better than I think we we anticipated. Well, I wouldn't say that. I would say that it was a tougher game than I anticipated. I, I thought we'd win that one. ODU was definitely a tougher oh, game was, than we anticipated, a, right? That was, that was a, a fluke. fluke. It was a fluke, yeah. So, again, in, in both of those games, we did things to prevent. Now, again, Georgia State, they did what they had to do to win. But there were things during that game. There were drop passes. There were, you know, turnovers. There were stupid, silly penalties. It was terrible special teams. There were things in that game that we did to prevent ourselves from losing that, from winning that game more than they, than I feel like Georgia State did to win the game. So uh, to that point, I agree with you that uh, for once, <laughs> it seems like for two halves of football, we didn't put ourselves in the position to lose the game. We didn't hold on hoping not to lose. We, we, you know, came out firing on all cylinders, faced a little adversity, said, nope, not again. And we took it to the house. And I think that's, again, what we need to do. We need to look at, at every game like we did South Alabama. Pure business. Go in, take care of it, stomp on their throats. And, and looking ahead, I know we're going to talk about Arkansas State in a little bit, but I would compare our, our team more to like a, a Troy on their schedule than a Coastal Carolina where they lost 27 to 17 or a ULM where they, they won 34-24. If you look what they did at Troy, they lost 37 to 3. Okay. If you look at what obviously Memphis, okay, I would I'd like to think we're on the same level of Memphis. They lost 37 to 3. Oklahoma, we know they lost 73 nothing. <laughs> so yeah. when you look at, at the upcoming game against Arkansas State, again on paper, you look at their what they did. And you're thinking, okay, if you're looking at teams that that you can compare us to, we should be heav heavily favored and we should win that game. But games aren't played on paper. And we've seen that several times this season already. So they've got to treat every single game like they did against South Alabama, especially this one coming up, because this has all the makings of a trap game. Just show up. The, the problem with trap games and the problem when teams don't play up to their potential is that they just didn't show up. I think... In this regard, this is one of those weekends where if the Cajuns show up and play, it shouldn't be a problem. And and you saw what happened in Mobile when the Cajuns showed up against a team that was a double-digit favorite against us, a team that has outscored their opponent 110-10 to 10 in the last two weeks combined. And we didn't even give up a single point in the, in the first half. I mean, that... It just you look at that and you go, you know, if you, if we play like this every game, we might be sitting at seven and one or eight. No, who knows? But the good news is, is that we're still in that situation where we can still play like this moving forward and still reach every single goal that's in front of us. None of our goals outside of like, you know, making a New Year's six 
none of none of the none of the goals are gone. They're still there. And so we put ourselves in a position to be able to take it up a notch, take it up a level. And now all of your games are are not only conference games, they're they're Western Division games. So every game means something. It's almost like a it's almost like each game is almost treated like a playoff game. It's it's one or done, and you have to treat it like one or done. I wanted to I wanted to bring up another point, and I want to ask you as well. Josh and I talked about this the other day. Defense, forced five turnovers, got a scoop and score, got to Carter Bradley quite a few times. Defense had a great game as far as making plays. Do you feel like the defense giving up close to 500 yards with everything that they did well, giving up the 500 yards, do you think that's a concern? No. I don't. I don't. Because when you're facing a team that, again, put up 55 yard, uh, 55 points two weeks in a row, I think you have to expect you're trying to beat them between the 20s. You're going to let them have that yardage, but when they get inside the 20s, that's where you're going to step it up a little bit. Defensively, we had a couple of breakdowns, and most of that was just mental breakdowns where guys weren't in the right position. Um they didn't know what coverage to be in. I think they rushed up to the South Alabama rushed up to the line a couple of times. We weren't ready for the play. So I think some of their scores were, were a little cheap because we, we just had some mental breakdowns there. But no, you, I mean, you had to, you have to expect a team that scored 20, 55 points two weeks in a row. They're going to put up some yards and it could have been by design again, that between the twenties do what you want, you know, but once you get inside the twenties, we're going to try to stiffen up. So, I, I'm not that concerned about it. I, I think South Alabama is a good offensive team, and that doesn't really concern me outside of maybe Southern Miss because you know they can put up points with their new. In one week, they put up some points against App State. Now, App State's not having a great season, but you know Southern Miss with Frank Gore Jr., and, and they do have talent even though they're at the bottom of the standings. They can put up points. So I think you have to watch against that and see how we game plan there. And then Troy, of course. Troy's a really good team. So I think those two teams if you were looking purely at the number of yards we gave up might concern me a little bit, but then again, it depends how we game plan. Are we going to game plan to keep them inside the twenties and then or between the twenties and then inside of the twenties, try to stiffen up or are we going for, you know, trying to trying to play man coverage and, 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 you know, rush the quarterback every play of the game. It, it all kind of depends. So no, I, to, to answer your question, I'm not that concerned about it. It's situational to me. Um, and I understand your point. For me, it's it's like it's kind of on a drive by drive basis. The beauty of what we did, in spite of giving up 500 yards, we made up for giving up that yardage by forcing five turnovers. My only concern to that is you give up 500 yards of offense. What if you don't force five turnovers? Then what happens, right? Do you give up points in 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 place of that? And and what are the what's the situation that might that might change or what outcome might change if you don't force the turnovers. There were uh, quite a few drives that they had or South Alabama had the other day where we gave up a big chunk of yardage, but then forced a turnover. Uh, the, the, I think the first or second, the second drive, they marched down the field, I think 70 plus yards, get to the red zone. They come up scoreless first red zone drive that they don't score all season. To me, I don't like it's that that's, it's those type of examples, right? Because on the other hand, what if they march down 70 plus yards and they get three points or they get seven, right? 
that's where that's kind of why I asked the question because yes, we made the plays when we had to, but in a situation where we might not be able to force a turnover, then then what do we do to make up for it, right? Yeah, I'm not in the game of what ifs. I mean, I get what you're saying, but 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 like I said during the post game, it, it's we forced the turnovers. Like, let's not forget that. That was part of the game plan. We clearly saw something on paper that that made us say, okay, we have an opportunity here. So they could have been willing to give up those big plays, knowing that they take chances and we're gonna be in the position to take the 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 ball away from them. And if that's the case, then that worked to perfection. Uh, but but yeah, I don't play the what if game. I just take what they give us and look it again. It's not like they were throwing the ball all over the field and and making some silly mistakes and fumbling and all this stuff. They were forced fumbles. I feel like they were forced interceptions. Our guys were there to make the plays with the intention to get the ball back. And they did that. And to me, that has to play into your thinking of, yeah, we gave up a bunch of yards, but if that was a strategy and we said, okay, you can have your big play, but we're going to take the ball back, then it worked to perfection. Um, but again, that, I, I feel like everything about this game was just done in a way that was businesslike. Again, we we didn't feel like we were in there. I, I feel like at times in in this uh, in this season, they were like the 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 kid in the water that can't swim, and we're just flailing for a little bit and then we kind of come up and get our breath and then we're like oh we can swim and I feel like that's kind of how we have been but for the South Alabama game I never felt that way again we had some mental lapses in there and South Alabama is going to get their points in their yards but ultimately outside of that that fluke touchdown at the end of the game we dominated them and so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue or, or second guess that I just love the fact that every time South Alabama did something good on their end we responded that that to me is that is was key. key. You you kill a team's spirit. You kill their morale when you do that. Even when they were coming back and they scored those back to back touchdowns on fast drives. I mean, they were playing up tempo. They were scoring, and and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is the team that was scoring 55 points in the last two weeks. This is what they were doing. And what do we do? We get the ball back on offense, and we score right back at them. And then and then they get the ball back, and they start moving the ball. And what do we do? A scoop and score. That's how you beat teams like that. Because for everything they throw at you, you're throwing something right back at them. And, and to me, at that point, even when they tried gaining that momentum back, to do that at their house where they had no response or no counter, I mean, you take that approach the next four games, we're going to be doing a lot of celebrating. Yeah. And, and again, um, not looking ahead because I'm not going to let it be a trap game for me. But that's what you're going to have to do against Detroit. And I still think, look, Southern Miss is going to bring their best game against us. For some reason, we're their championship game every season. So they always come up like we're the biggest game on their schedule. So um, it's we're going to have to do that at least two more times a season to win. I think, um, I, I think at least two more times a season, maybe four. But we've got to bring our A game every game here on out if we want to win the West. That's very correct. That's very true. And so we'll put a bow on South Alabama real quick. Um, I'll just say like this. It was a win we needed. And I think this if we do what we're supposed to do from here on out, I think we will look back at this game as sort of the kickstart of what can be a great, great season. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean... 
just think back to the old you. We were, you know, how how down we were. Help at that point. Yeah, at that <laughs> Help. point. And here we are. Look, it's being a fan. I think we hit the panic button a lot quicker than uh, I'm not think I'm, we do hit the panic button a lot quicker than our players and coaches do. And they trust their process. I think maybe we need to trust our process a little more, but we wouldn't be fans if we didn't freak out and over exaggerate every single week, whether it's a win or a loss. So I think that comes with the territory, but uh, look, it's, it's, Again, like I said, I wanted to see improvement season over season. I've already seen that improvement with a couple of letdowns. If we continue on that trend, I think we're going to be very happy at the end of the season. I agree. I agree. Just but one game at a time. So one game at a time in the next game, which brings us to Arkansas State. The Arkansas State Red Wolves, the Cajuns, travel to Jonesboro this Saturday to take on the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Kickoff is at 2 p.m. Game will be televised on ESPN+. Plus. They will play this game at Centennial Bank Stadium, a very familiar stadium that the Cajuns are used to. We've played them there for many, many years. And Arkansas State, let's talk a little bit about the Red Wolves. Wait, before you get there, let's okay. talk about their stadium because they have a freaking yes. waterfall. They got a waterfall. That's like, that's like putting a mountain at Cajun Field. That makes no sense. But anyway, continue. It looks good. I mean, it looks pretty on TV. Yeah, but it makes <laughs> no sense. Anyways, yeah, that's true. So Arkansas State's one of those teams that you don't know what you're gonna get with them. But but to give to give a little more content on that, the first two weeks they get outscored, I think it was like a hundred and ten to three. They lose seventy two to zero to Oklahoma, you see, you know, coach Butch Jones crying on the sideline, getting consoled by his team, by, by his players. And then you've got the game against Memphis where they only at home, by the way, it was a rival, right? They only kick a field goal. They lose 30 something to three or 37 to three. And you're wondering like, is this team about to be zero and 12 just by the way they played the first two games? Cause look, I know, I mean, Oklahoma's a top 10 program or well, they were until they lost to Kansas this week. But at least you would think you have had all offseason to to get ready for this team that at least they would have at least showed up for maybe a few quarters, maybe scored 14 points or something. Nah, they just got spanked. And then they go play Memphis at home and get spanked. And before you know it, they they beat Stony Brook. They take care of business against Southern Miss, which at the time was considered an upset. And then they go to UMass and hang 52 on them. And then now we're going, wait a minute. This is a, this is not the team we saw the first two weeks. But you look at their schedule. Arkansas State has beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. And when they play teams that are at their level or a little bit above theirs, they lose. I did some research on their wins. And in the four wins that they have, their opponents that they beat have a combined record of five and 27. That includes ULM, UMass, Southern Miss, and Stony Brook, who, by the way, Stony Brook is 0 and 8 right now at FCS. And look, UMass is bad, bro. They are. They're 2 and <laughs> 7. Really They're an independent. Nobody wants them. Um, Southern Miss right now is 1 and 7. They've pretty much guaranteed a losing season. ULM is ULM. They're 2 and 6, I believe. So, They've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. But when it comes to playing teams that, like I said, Troy, 
Coastal, both losses by double digits. Memphis, Oklahoma, actually all four of their losses by double digits. To me on paper, I would think we would be in that column as well with those teams. I think we relate more to Troy and Coastal than we would right now to ULM and Stony Brook. But it's like you said, it's a tra- it could be a trap game if we don't take care of business. So it is kind of interesting. Um, but th- like we've always said, man, stranger things have happened in Jonesboro every time we go up there. The record almost, it's almost like the record is thrown out the window when you play them. Yeah, there's some hate there, man. I remember Blake Anderson. And look, I I, res- I wouldn't say respected Blake Anderson as a coach, but he was a coach there. And they he had some dirty teams. And they did some dirty stuff to our players, stomping on their hands when they're on, on the ground, stuff like that. And it, it bred this deep rivalry. And I think Arkansas State may be one of the teams that we have played most in our history. It's got to be up there because we've been playing them forever. And... Was Arkansas State ever FCS, 1AA? They were. Okay. Until I think like the 1980s, but okay. we did play them. We still played them. On yeah. a regular basis, yeah. So, um, look, when you have a history with a, a football team as you do at Arkansas State, crazy things happen. Now, do I expect Arkansas State to win this weekend? No. I think we, I think, like I said, we're in that tier of teams that they have not been able to show up against, but they're going to do their best I think early in the game to try to get an advantage over us. And um, look again, the game's not played on paper. The game's not played on paper. So we still got to go out there and execute. I know. And I'm hoping, I mean, they were even talking about this. I think I read an article where they were saying the coaches know this is a trap week and they're trying to talk the players out of it. We hear that so much. And then the, the, the game still ends up as a thud, you know, and, and awful. So I'm hoping that the players again, Business-like mode, take care of business, move on to the next game, because if you don't get past this one, then you're not competing in the West for a championship. So speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about Arkansas State on paper. Let's talk, have some fun facts about the Red Wolves right here. So again, Arkansas State Red Wolves right now sit at 4-4 four and four overall. They're 2-2 two and two in conference. Their four wins include a wins against Stony Brook, Southern Miss, UMass, and ULM, and their losses include Oklahoma, Memphis, Troy, and Coastal Carolina. Right now, uh, the series record, the Cajuns lead the overall series record 29 and 21 and 1. So the Cajuns do have an eight game advantage there. And they've, the Cajuns have won their last five matchups dating back to 2018 against the Red Wolves, with, which the most recent win the Cajuns had was last year at Cajun Field when they defeated Arkansas State by the score of 38 to 13. Arkansas State coached by Coach Butch Jones. You remember him at Tennessee, and I believe he coached at Cincinnati. Wasn't he the head coach at Cincinnati before going to Tennessee? I I don't know. I I just remember him at Tennessee and crying on the sideline. (laughs) Yeah, he he was passionate. He's in his third season as the Red Wolves head coach. His record right now is 9-23. They're coming off a 3-9 season last year. I believe they were 1-7 in conference with their lone win against the Warhawks. Talk a little bit about their personnel offensively. Now, they had a quarterback that went down, if I'm not mistaken, I think the second game of the season against Memphis. And in the third game against Stony Brook, in comes this true freshman quarterback, number one, by the name of Jalen Rayner. This kid is very similar to Zeon Chris. He's mobile. He's got a great arm. And he's, he's, he's a little raw, but he's talented. And 
since he went in against Stony Brook, he's shown so much spark and so much energy that he that he has not sat the bench since. He, he's been named the starter ever since. Here's some stats. He's got 84 completions on 144 attempts. He's thrown for 1,454 passing yards. He's got 13 touchdowns, four interceptions. He throws for an average of 242 yards per game. For a true freshman, that's really, really good. So he's somebody we're going to have to key in on to have a shot to beat him because if he if he starts tearing you up, it could be a long day defensively. Also, the Red Wolves have a redshirt sophomore at running back, number two, Jacquez Cross. Jacquez has 70 attempts for four or 70 carries for 412 rushing yards, 5.9 yards per carry, three touchdowns, 52 yards uh, rushing yards per game. Another running back duo they have, Redshirt junior running back number 21, Zach Wallace, 88 carries, 347 rushing yards, 3.9 yards per carry, three touchdowns, 43 rushing yards per game. In the receiving core, the Red Wolves are led by redshirt sophomore wide receiver number seven, Corey Rucker. I remember his name a little while back. It seems like he's He's really come around this year. 22 receptions, 443 receiving yards, no touchdowns, but 55 receiving yards per game. And he also has 20 yards per reception. So it looks like he has some pretty good. Uh, he, it looks like it looks like Jalen tends to throw the ball to him a lot and where he gets some some first downs, and some big, some big plays that keep their drives going. So he's going to be somebody we're going to have to keep an eye on. Also, the Red Wolves have redshirt junior number nine, Courtney Jackson, 23 receptions, 433, 433 receiving yards. He averages 18.83 yards per reception. He has six touchdowns. So it looks like he's kind of their, their main X factor in the receiving core, 54 receiving yards per game. And also senior wide receiver, number 14, Jeff Foreman, 14 receptions, 341 yards, 24 reception, 24 yards per reception, three touchdowns, 43 receiving yards per game. So that's a little bit of talent they have on offense. Defensively, the Red Wolves are led by redshirt freshman linebacker, number 24, Javante Mackey, 39 solo tackles, four tackles for loss, two sacks. They also have senior linebacker number 21, Malik Straker, 27 solo tackles, two tackles for loss, one interception. They also have junior safety number nine, Travian Thomas, 32 solo tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, one interception. And the guy in the defensive line that the Cajuns will have to kind of key in on and target, make sure he doesn't get to the backfield, redshirt senior number 92, Thurman Gathers. 17 solo tackles, nine tackles for loss, three sacks, 10 quarterback hurries. So if uh, if I'm Coach Norrid and Jeff Norrid in the offensive line and I'm looking at film, I'm keying in on number 92. Watch that guy. Don't let him get to Zeon. So these are just a few of the players I like to do this every week, kind of give people an idea of who to look for for the uh, on the Red Wolves. If you see them make plays, some of these names might pop up. You know, they do have a very talented, they do have a pretty talented offense. They do score points um, lately. Uh, the first few weeks, they were kind of affected because they weren't able to get on the scoreboard. But the last couple of weeks, they've improved. Uh, right now, they're averaging 23 points per game, uh, which ranks 95th in FBS. The Cajuns are averaging 33 points per game and 35th in FBS. 
let's see. Arkansas State, they rushed the ball for 143 yards per game, and they're ranked 83rd in FBS. The Cajuns, 214 rushing yards per game. The Cajuns are 8th in FBS in rushing yards. Passing yardage, Arkansas State averages 230 yards per game, 63rd in FBS, where the Louisiana is has 201 yards per game, ranked 98th. So total offense, Arkansas State averages 373 total yards of offense per game. They are ranked 75th in FBS, and Louisiana has 415 yards per game. Their total offense ranks 50th in FBS. As far as total defense, Arkansas State's giving up 455 yards per game. That's means they are 124th in FBS in total defense. The Cajuns giving up 383 yards per game, and they rank 77th in FBS. Turnover margins. Arkansas State, negative four in turnover margins. So they kind of have the problem that we had for a while. They ranked 103rd in FBS in turnover margins. Because of the Cajuns' five turnovers that were forced against South Alabama, the Cajuns net zero. So they've they played some catch-up this week in Mobile. And guess what? We went from somewhere around 120 to 61st in turnover margins, Nick. Not a bad jump in one week. That's pretty good, man. That tells pretty you how good. impressive it was last week. Again, against a really good team. Exactly, exactly. And last but not least, third and fourth down conversions. Third down conversions. Arkansas State only converts 34% of their third downs. That puts them at 109 in FBS ranks. The Cajuns, 43% in third down conversions. Believe it or not, they're 39th in FBS. So the Cajuns getting the third downs, extending those drives, baby. Keep it going. And in fourth down, Arkansas State, 27% on fourth down conversions. 122 in FBS rankings. And once again, the Cajuns, top 50, 58% in fourth down conversions, 44th in FBS. And, I, and, and look, I know it's a little tedious for me reading these, but the reason why I wanted to read them, on like we talked about on paper, right? It was to your point about on paper. The Cajuns have an advantage in just about all of these stats except for passing yardage. That's it. And we've seen because of the Cajuns rushing attack and the way that We've kind of created a balanced attack toward the passing game. To me, it doesn't matter as much as long as the run game is doing its thing. We're we're a run first team, but as long as you've got Zeon in the backfield and him and and Zeon's throwing some nice balls and the receivers are creating separation, you don't have to throw for three hundred yards because that's not how our offense is built. I feel like Arkansas State, they have their identity is more towards the pass, even though they run a spread similar to what we do. So. Yeah, our 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 passing game keeps our running game honest. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the opposite, right? Usually, the running game keeps keeps your opens up the passing game for us. It's it's a little bit different. Um, and then you you throw Zeon in there, and and then now you've got three things you got to worry about, right? You got to worry about the running backs. You got to worry about Zeon. You got to worry about the the pa- the uh, the passing game as well. So uh, a lot to worry about. Look, when when you're going over the stats, and we have you know, two columns, one says the team and then their opponents. And it was kind of interesting to me because there are so many statistics that you're reading out. When you look at Arkansas state stats and you look at their opponent stats, and then you do that the same for us, it's almost completely flipped. Like for instance, I'll I'll give you an example. Points per game for Arkansas state 23. And we limit teams to 23 points a game. 
And then for Arkansas State, their opponents score 33 and we score 33. So if you go down like the stat lines, it's eerily similar to what Arkansas State does and what their opponents do and what we do. So it's it, that I felt was kind of funny. Um, so we're one, a blend. We're a blend of all the teams they've lost to. or played. Exactly. Exactly. All in. That's um, what you get. One thing that I thought was interesting was 23 points per game. And they got blown out, you know, by by uh, by a couple of teams that they really didn't score in. So, like you said, it's it's lately they've kind of turned up their offense. But the one thing that I think we we're gonna, I think definitely have an advantage at is is on third down conversions because they allow forty one percent of the time the other team to score to to convert a third down, and also on fourth down conversions. They're stopping opponents 11 of 14. That's 78%. They're, they're allowing the opponent on fourth down to convert 78% of the time. So I think that's something that I thought South Alabama would do against us last week because I talked about those stats and how we're allowing teams on fourth down to convert. And you saw it. They tried, I think, a couple times in that game to do so. I think that's going to be an opportunity for us when we're in that iffy, maybe our own 49-yard line and we have two yards even though you typically don't go for it in your own territory, when you consider they're allowing it 78% of the time, you might take that opportunity and go for it, depending on how the game's game's progressing. So that's something that I think we need to look at as third and fourth down conversions for us uh, during the game. Well, I think what's important about that too, Nick, is you mentioned they're giving up 78% of, of fourth down conversions. We're almost at 60%. So right. that's, I mean, that's huge for us, and, and that gives us that opportunity. And to your point, I wouldn't be surprised if we're in four-down territory. If it's, you know, if we're on their 45 or somewhere between that 50 and 40-yard or 30, like just outside of field goal range, right? I would not be surprised if we maybe on a short yardage anywhere from two to five yards, maybe maybe Coach Des takes a shot. Yeah. Yeah. More more often than he would another game where we would just sent the punt team out. I agree. And and um if we're talking about players that I think are gonna have a big game, um I look for Kabodi to continue doing what he's doing. Uh I I look I don't think that or I'm hopeful that Zeon doesn't have to use his legs as much as he has been. I think you know, if if things break down and he has to he has to run, I get that. But I don't know if things go according to plan that he's going to be forced to use his legs as much as he did um, the past few games. I look for Cam Whitfield to have another monster game because my dude was disrespected. My dude was the defensive player of the week in the Sun Belt. And then national honors went to some jabroni at JMU that didn't have nearly as impressive. In fact, hold on, hold on one second. Cause I got this pissed me off. I got to bring this up. Let me see if I can find it. Somebody posted it on Twitter, responded to one of my tweets and compared cam to the guy who won the national defensive player of the week. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. Okay, here we go. So this guy who won it, Jalen green, by the way, James Madison was a 12 point, excuse me, 20 point favorite at home. They won by three. He had three solo tackles, six assists, three tackles for loss, and two and a half sacks. Cam Whitfield went on the road as a 12 point underdog, 
One by 13, he had five solo tackles. He had three assists, three and a half tackles for loss, three forced fumbles, and all of those fumbles turned into points. Who yeah. had the better week? No, and they Cam, picked Cam, the other guy. I mean, that, that's no, ridiculous. I'm, I'm so, sorry. That, yeah. I feel like Cam's going to feel disrespected. I'm looking for him to have a really big game against Arkansas State this week. I hope so, because if he does what he did last week, then I, I give I have more confidence and give the defense a chance to force even more turnovers. If we go up two or three scores, unlike South Alabama, I just don't see them having the energy to make a comeback. I, I think, honestly, we have to, if we jump to a big lead on them, first we have to jump to a big lead. But if we do, there, there's no turning back at that point. I agree. And I we have to, we, and we have to jump out to a big lead. We can't look with teams like this that have nothing to play for except for pride. And they're going up against their rival, which I know is being drilled into their heads right now. I know they're probably being shown film of these crazy games that we've had in the past. If you allow them to have hope, then that's weird. That's when weird things start happening in games like this. But technically, they're still in it. They're two and two in conference, just like we are. Oh, oh good point. Good so, point. so they they, they they do have something to play for. You're yeah, right. Yeah, they're playing for something as well. I just think the difference is is we just have a little more. Um, we just have a little bit more ammo in the arsenal than they do yeah. as far as you know talent goes. And it's just we we've we've had their number over the last five five years. So um it's I feel like it's our game to lose. Agreed. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um but anyway, so so Nick, we we've kind of discussed some of the stats. We've discussed a little bit about what we think of Arkansas State. What are your three keys to victory against the Red Wolves this week? I only have one key to victory. And that is business. Show up all business. If we do that, we're good. I'd, everything else doesn't matter. If we show up and 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 come in a business-like manner and do what we know we can do, that's it. So I'm not even going to give you three. That's the number one thing that we need to do is not come out and be silly. Just play your game. Do what you did last week, and we'll be in good shape. It's a valid point. It, it, it goes back to what you said about um, the one-game-at-a-time approach. You just got to keep your head down and focus. I'll give you my three. Um, first of all, limit turnovers. Don't turn the ball over. Last week, we had no turnovers. We see how that turned out. And I think our defense is going to be good enough to force turnovers again. So if we limit turnovers and keep getting our off and, and the offense keeps receiving opportunities, again, I think this game could be, I mean, it could be, it, it could be a wipeout if we do what we're supposed to do. Uh, my second key is run the football. Last week, I, I got to give the, the coaching staff a lot of credit. Even at times when South Alabama's front seven stuffed our run, Coach Dez kept calling, kept calling for, for Kabodi to get the rock and just kept going and kept going to the point where the offensive line just wore their front, their front, uh, their front seven, and they couldn't stop us. And there were even when there were moments when they would stop us, there were also moments when we would find holes and still extend drives and just wear them down. Uh, I think this is a very similar situation with Arkansas State. There's nothing impressive about their front seven that I would say, you know, start going to the past like a Georgia State, like a like Georgia State's front seven was good. I just don't see Arkansas State having that similarity. Just run the football, run it and open up for the pass and let Zeon do his thing. Third key to victory for me, contain Jalen Rayner. Their offense revolves around Jalen Rayner. Anytime they score points or anytime they get they get the drives going, it's because of Jalen Rayner and he's able to get the ball to his receivers. He's able to to 
you know, create a little bit of mobility. Again, he's very similar to Zion Chris. You contain him, that offense comes to a stall. And then also cover the interme intermediate routes that he may be going to, very similar to what we did at UAB and their quarterback, who's kind of a dual threat as well. Uh, I think Coach Morgan's going to come in with a good game plan to cover those intermediate routes, give him a little bit of, um, I would say, give him some of that short yardage, but just give him the intermediate routes, confuse him as a freshman quarterback, and just hopefully you get to him a few times and sack him, and that's how you break their spirit. So that's my three keys to victory. Limit turnovers, run the football, and put pressure on Jalen Rayner and, and cover the intermediate routes. Sounds like a good plan, Jerry. Well, hopefully it's good enough to get a W and come back. <laughs> because here's the thing. Also, too, we forgot to mention, Cajuns win this week. One of the many goals, they're bowl eligible. They'll be 6-3. and three, They'll be 3-2. and two, And guess what? They'll be in the driver's seat for the Western Division. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute uh, as we go to the Sunbelt uh, conference schedule. And we'll talk about a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about the results from last week and how it affects the Cajuns. So, Josh had a question. Have we checked the weather? I know it's going to be cold. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's, I, that's step one. It's going to be cold. You think so? So I just pulled up the um, the weather forecast for Jonesboro, Arkansas. And from what I can see, it'll be a high of 70 and a low of 50. So may not be as cold as you're thinking. Um, look, uh, the, the hits might sting a little more because it's, you know, maybe 55, 60 degrees. But uh I tell you, I'll trade that, and I'm sure the guys will trade that for the heat and humidity that we had this summer. So um, I think I, I don't think uh, weather is going to be a factor. It looks like it'll be it'll be nice weather. It'll be a nice weather. For, it'll be nice uh, fall weather. Nice nice fall football weather. So I don't think that'll affect us or affect them in many ways. I think it's just it'll create kind of a level playing field for both teams. That's a good thing. If it would have said something like rain or something like that, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. But actually, <laughs> I think it favor the rain would favor us more right now because of our run game. No, I agree. I agree. But I'll take I'll take nice fall weather as well. So for right now, um, yeah, should be clear weather. So, anyways, uh, so we've kind of previewed Arkansas State. We'll come back to it again. Cajuns travel to Arkansas State to they play. They will play in Jonesboro Centennial Bank Stadium on Saturday. Kickoff at two p.m. You can watch the game on ESPN Plus, or you can listen on 103.3 The Goat or 14.20, as well as, I believe, Hot 107.9. So there's a few places you can listen to the game. So let's talk a little bit around, around the Sun Belt. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in conference. We'll talk about what happened last week. So for review, Thursday night, or last Thursday night, Georgia Southern took care of Georgia State. I think we wore out Georgia State a little too much. Georgia Southern was victorious by the score of 44 to 27 over the Panthers. Saturday, Arkansas State, Cage's next opponent, victorious over the ULM Warhawks. Final score 34 to 24 in Monroe. I believe ULM is in the top five or top six for losing streaks right now. I believe they've lost six straight. Coastal Carolina went to Marshall and basically or Coastal Carolina, I'm sorry, um, hosted Marshall and basically demolished them. Coastal Carolina victorious over the Thundering Herd by the score of 34 to 6. What, man, Marshall's just falling off the I map. I was about to say, man, they started off with a bang, and then lately they've just kind of, I don't know, they've just kind of hit a hit a crossroad. They, they were big fans of Coach Huff back in the day, you know, when we played him, and seems like uh, he's fallen out of their graces as well. 
not so much anymore. He looks like he's getting a little bit of pressure from the fans. He and does. I, I get it. I get it. Uh, Troy, and this was a big game for the Cajuns. We were uh, kind of watching this game in real time as we were doing our post post game. Troy traveled to San Marcos to take on Texas State. And uh, Texas State was leading 10-7 over the Trojans, and it was a close matchup. And then all of a sudden, Texas State made a few errors, turned the ball over a few times, and Troy ran away with it in the second half, outscoring Texas State 24-3 as the Trojans were victorious over the Texas State Bobcats by the score of 31-13. How does it help the Cajuns? Well, first of all, it gives Texas State their second loss in conference. And if the Cajuns win out, including a win at Troy, they automatically win the West because they will have a tiebreaker over the Troy Trojans. So that win uh, against Texas State was actually very beneficial for Louisiana. James Madison, number 25 James Madison, hosted ODU this weekend. Very close game, actually. Could have gone either way. JMU getting a close win over the Monarchs by the score of 30-27. to 27. And Appalachian State hosting Southern Miss. And as we all know, Coach Will Hall giving up his play calling duties to his offensive line coach. And actually, it looked like Southern Miss breathed an inch of life, breathed a little bit of life into their offense last week, putting up 38 points, just not enough as they gave up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to App State. App State getting a big comeback win against the Southern Miss Golden Eagles by the score of 48 to 38. And that loss for Southern Miss guarantees a losing season. They now sit at one and seven. I don't think they realize you also have to play defense. Like it's great if you change the offensive coordinator, <laughs> but you also like have to stop the other team from scoring. Right. That, I was about to say, like, yeah. it's nice to score points. It's good that you breathe some <laughs> life into your offense, but then now it's like, okay, how do we make this worthwhile? Right. You don't give up the points. You don't give and it look, back to them. Right. App State, App State, man, they're just they're struggling. And last but not least, of course, Cajuns victorious over South Alabama by the score of 33 to 20. So that was that was your results from last week. This week, all right. I don't know about you, Nick, but my Thursday night will be on the couch watching South Alabama and Troy. Huge implications for Louisiana, big time implications. South Alabama will travel to Troy tomorrow night. It's an arch rival. Huge Sunbelt Western Division game. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to be the biggest South Alabama fan tomorrow night, hoping that the Jaguars take care of business against the Troy Trojans. Look, I I already like poked the bear with Southern Miss fans and, and T-Side fans. Oh, no, we're going to get to that. No, no, no. Don't, don't say it. Don't <laughs> so, give it away. Don't so give it away. I didn't want to poke the bear when I saw South Alabama talking crap about Troy dusts their crawfish or something stupid like that. Meyer's initial response was, uh, well, y'all, well, y'all are fake Mardi Gras, but I didn't go there because I know how, how personal they take that. But yeah, we'll get into the other stuff later, but they're already trying to talk trash against, against Troy. I, well, look, just back it up. All right. For yeah, us. Do exactly. For, us. Back for it once, up. for Don't once, help us out. Business. Because here's the thing. And, and for people who are wondering what's going on here, South Alabama right now, if they go to Troy and defeat Troy, Troy has will have two losses in conference, which means, guess what? The Cajuns will officially be tied for first place in the Western Division before even kicking off against Arkansas State. So if you're a Cajuns fan, now granted, again, it doesn't matter per se as much as for us because we need to win out to win the West, but by Troy losing 
it gives us a little bit more cushion to have that chance, right? We control our destiny. If we go, we, we win the next four, we win the West, but any little help along the way is beneficial for us. And, and that starts tomorrow night, South Alabama and Troy. Again, Jaguars take care of business. It makes, it makes the race a lot more fun to say the least. So again, uh, tomorrow night, kickoff at 6.30 on ESPN2. Ooh, nationally televised. All right. So the whole country can watch. All right. Saturday, Coastal Carolina will travel to ODU. Kickoff will be at 2.30 Central Standard Time on ESPN+. Plus. JMU will travel to Georgia State. I believe Georgia State's running a promo. I think they're giving away free tickets or giving away discounted tickets to get people. They need to, to give away cars for people to show up there. And yeah. then that's iffy. Again, yeah, they'll they'll be playing JMU. Um, I kind of feel like it's an upset alert. I don't know about you. I feel like there's 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 an upset looming in Atlanta. Look, I'm not a Georgia State fan, but I'm so uh, again, I'm so over the poor us. We can't play for whatever. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm over it. So I'm pulling for whoever is playing against JMU because their fans are unbearable. Anyways, so yes, JMU will travel to Georgia State. Kickoff at 2.30 Central Standard Time. Game will be on ESPN2, another nationally televised game. All right. This should be a fun one. ULM at Southern Miss. Pillow fight two, of the week. <laughs> two bottom, two teams that are in the bottom of the Western Division. Believe it or not, it's a little important. I'll tell you why in a second. But ULM will travel to Southern Miss. Kickoff will be at 3 o'clock in Hattiesburg. And the game will be televised on ESPN+. Plus. I think this game is important for the Cajuns. I feel like if ULM beats Southern Miss on Saturday, I think you, Southern Miss comes to Lafayette totally dejected and totally cashed out before we even kick off on Thursday night or next Thursday night. I don't know, man. I mean, again, they could be playing us in tiddlywinks and, and they're going to come fired up. So to some extent, I agree with you. Uh, uh, but I just uh, that if there's one game on the schedule that scares me, it really is Southern Miss because they they always come up. They wanted to prove that they can beat us. And unfortunately, and they they have quite a bit. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't like him. So I hope they lose every week. But I don't know if it's going to make that much of a difference. OK, no, that's fair. I think I think for Southern Miss, the Southern Miss game, I just feel like if they lose this game to ULM, I mean, first of all, they should not lose this game to ULM at home. But if they do, I mean, at that point, what what do you get excited about after that, right? But it's playing us—that's the problem. They get excited yeah. to play us for some reason. But of course, I'm thinking it from a fan's perspective. The fans are excited to play us, right? Right. If it if it really rubs off on the players, I don't know. So I guess to that. To that point, yeah, it it may be dejecting uh, to them if if they get their new offensive coordinator and they still lose, you know. So I I don't know. I just they did they just scare the heck out of me. Either way, no, I got you. I got you. Anyway, so they will kick off at three o'clock in Hattiesburg. Georgia Southern will travel to Texas State. That'll actually be a pretty good game. I expect that to be a, a an interesting matchup. I expect a lot of high scoring too between the two teams. Um, they'll kick off in San Marcos at four o'clock Central Standard Time. 
Marshall will travel to App State to take on the Mountaineers. That's actually a pretty decent rivalry between the two the two programs. So that should be a lot of fun, a lot of hype going into that, even in spite of both teams maybe not playing up to the level they want to play at. Kickoff will be at 5 o'clock Central Standard Time. You can watch the game on the NFL Network. And, of course, Louisiana at Arkansas State, 2 o'clock Central Standard Time, ESPN+. Plus. So that's going to do it for the Sun Belt. What's going on around the belt? Let's talk a little bit about the drama this week that Nick decided to uh, step in the ampile, if you will. So just for some perspective, uh, Southern Miss, we'll start with Southern Miss. Southern Miss had a scrimmage against Mississippi State, and the scrimmage was there to raise charity. Uh, for a good cause. Always give these guys kudos for doing stuff like that. I always appreciate those type of causes. And it's a, it was a two-part troll job that Nick decided to do. Uh, first of all, uh, not many people were at this scrimmage, and he decided that he's like, well, where is everybody? The attendance is low at this scrimmage. And it was to the point where a lot of Southern Miss fans weren't happy with you, but the ones who understood what you were saying kind of started laughing and they're like, oh, geez, here we go again. Why is Nick bringing up attendance? And they kind of know that you you do it to poke the bear, but there were some that were actually mad. So that's part one. Part two, you drag the school across the basin into it because you were like, man, if only they would play us in a basketball scrimmage, it would be great, but they're too scared to play us in basketball. And before you know it, you got half their fan base all mad to the point where they're bringing up how they would beat us in football and bringing up historical results in football, which had absolutely nothing to do with the basketball Because they can't scrimmage. read, Jerry. <laughs> Nobody actually went to that school, so they can't read. So, 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 so let just explain to me your 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 thought process in deciding to upset two fan bases simultaneously on a on a happy Sunday. I was bored, and needed something to do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for, so for the Southern Miss thing, I just thought, look, that's, they're, they're the rival we never had outside of, of UL Ruston there. And, and we never play them, right? We never play tech. So they're the rival we never had. We need to start stoking that fire. Our fans need to get into it as much as they're into it. And, and as much as I mess with them, they've got a great fan base. I mean, you saw they had, you know, a thousand people screaming back at me after I, I, I tweeted that out. So we need our fans to start getting as passionate about that. And, and like you said, this all goes back to one of their fans who lives in Lafayette, by the way, saying something. I think it was one of the games. And, and look, the Cajun Dome hosts 12,000 people, right? Their little barn hosts probably 12. So, of course, when they have 12 fans in their 12-person stadium, it's going to look packed. But when you have 3,000 fans in a 12,000-seat you know, seat stadium, it's going to look empty. So somebody took a picture of the student section and it it was at a weird angle from one of our better attended games. And they were like, well, this is pathetic. They should show up. So ever since then, every time and even like I think I did it for for a picture of they tweeted out a picture of their baseball stadium when nobody was there pregame. And I was like, this is awful attendance. Like people who follow me understand I'm doing it just to poke the bear. But man, they took that. So like and then we had our scrimmage against whoever or pre exhibition that nobody was at, by the way. And, and they were like, oh, my God, well, look at this. What about this attendance? And I'm like, y'all are totally missing it. You know, it's 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 all in fun. And I'm just trying to get our fans to start kind of engaging with them because that's fun. The TSAB thing, that was just, I mean, it's the truth. You know, no matter how much they want to deny it, 
It's the truth. And you can say, and, and it's funny. It's like you said, Jerry, it, well, I'll go back to what I said. I said, they're scared to play us in basketball. And, and that's, that's the truth. And somebody mentioned that there was uh, a, uh, a proposition on the table. Now, I don't know if this is truth fact or not, but there was a proposition on the table from us saying, okay, let's play home and home. And they want two home one, one at UL. And we're like, absolutely not. We're not playing that game. And I agree. I don't think we should play a two and one with them. I think it's going to be home and home or whatever. Look, when we played them in the NIT, their, their the PMAC was packed. And that season, nobody went to the games. So that tells you, no matter what they want to say, that they don't, they don't care about us. The PMAC was, was packed for that one game that season, and that was against us. So, so throw that out the window. That argument is not fair. Baseball games midweek, guess what? Their stadium's usually packed against us. It's not for other midweeks. So it's just kind of, I was just trying to poke the bear. And, but it's true. They don't want to play us in basketball because they have fallen behind. And we were the ones at the tournament. They weren't. So they have no, no leg to stand on. So what did they do, Jerry? I mean, the idiot from the, the podcast that wants to yell and scream every week and, and insult people and just be loud. He's the Jim Rome. He tries. No, he's a fake Jim Rome of, of TSAB media. Okay. He tries to do that. He's like, after a post, he's like, ha ha, we beat you 757 to zero. And he posts like the football thing. And I'm like, we're not even talking about football. You Southeastern grad. You didn't even go to the school. So it, it's, it's just funny how they, and then they started talking about championships where well, you don't have championships in baseball. And you, I think there was another, this other guy was like, well, y'all just celebrated this midweek game against us last year. And I'm like, no, we were making fun of y'all. Like you don't even have the mental capacity to understand. We were making fun of you and you don't get it. You still don't get it. So to answer your question, Jerry, I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's almost like, you you know, when you step in an amp pile and the ants just go crazy. That's what you did. You stepped in the amp pile and the ants go crazy. And it's so funny because, because the TSAT fans, as soon as I say something semi-inflammatory, or, or poke them, they all quote the Jim Rome wannabe of, of their podcast guy. And all of a sudden he's like, I, I, I'm in. And then he was like, well, you didn't want to come on the show. No, dude, I'm not going on your show just to get yelled at because I'm not going to try to talk over you. Plus I have a job that I don't want to lose because I'm going to say things that I want to say. So I'm just going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to be the bigger man and not engage in that. And Josh did a wonderful job because he's a better person than I am, but I'm not going on, on there for that. So it, that's part of it too. I like getting him riled up because yeah, I, I mean, you know, the rent free. I think somebody from Southern Miss said I was they were rent free in my head. I think I'm a little rent free in his head. I, you know, for me, it's one thing to have passion about your team. It's another thing to take it to a level and, and almost put your identity with that team. And, and look, I, some people may look at this as ironic because we host a, host a UL podcast. But there's other important things to my life and your life than just what we do here. This is a hobby. There's some people in some of these other fan bases where this is this is who they are. This is them. Their lives revolve around this. And I just we just don't do that. We just have fun, you know, and, and whenever like I, I was reading some of the comments when you when you kind of poked the bear there a little bit and some of their fans were like getting personal, like you're just irrelevant. You ain't this. You ain't that. And I'm like, I, 
you're, you're taking this a little too far. All you did was bring up a basketball scrimmage. Right. And, and you're talking <laughs> about how irrelevant we are. And I'm like, then, then, I, then, I, then the next thing I'm thinking is we're talking in the topic of basketball and you're calling us irrelevant. So let's, let's, let's go down the list. We're so irrelevant that we made the dance last year and lost to a team by three points who came to the PMAC and beat you by 21. We were also in the dance and you weren't. The only relevancy you have right now in basketball is the fact that you got investigated by the FBI and the, and the NCAA. You had to fire your coach. It was a national story. You talk about how we're irrelevant. You won't no, The reason why you won't schedule us is because, quote unquote, we're irrelevant. But yet you schedule teams like Southeastern, UT Arlington, and Little Rock or Arkansas State as well as ULM teams that Rambling, we've all, Southern. Yeah. Teams that we've all pretty much dominated in the last, you know, 10 matchups that we've played them. You got to, it's the same talking points. You're irrelevant. Know your place. Little brother. Oh, the best is when they call us little brother. But then when you call him t Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't so believe you called us t <laughs> Your little brother. But Oh my God. He said t Oh my gosh. I'm going to, I'm going to flip out. It's like, guys, dude, relax. It's fun. It's just, had, this is supposed to be fun. Relax. I've had guys threaten to like, want to fight me. Like some guy was like, come meet me in Houston. Cause we'll fight. And I'm like, okay, give me your address. We're of course, talking college. We're sports. talking about sports, relax, dude, man. Like relax. you serious. My favorite was one of them had uh sucked that, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I was like, and, and they were, they were trying to act like they were, you know, they had class. And I'm like, you literally say this at your games and think it's cool. Well, it's funny. So how are you going to try to be a classy program and then tell people to suck the, 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 the you know, whatever. So anyway, I just, I have fun of it every now and then. I like to just, again, like you said, poke the bear. And, <laughs> and I believe expose. I read, I think, I think I read one comment. I don't know if it was this lady or somebody who was like, um, your fans lost all class when 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 uh, when Rowe passed away. Or oh, something dude, like I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even go. There, and I'm man. thinking. And she's the one who had STTDB in her in her profile. But my by thing the way. is, it's like you're you're talking to us about class now. I'm not gonna stereotype like some of these people do because look, I got family and friends that went there, and they're great people. But talking about our fans being classless is the biggest case of the pot calling the kettle black that I've ever seen. It's the biggest case of irony that I've ever seen. The last thing you want to do is point the finger at us talking about class. I'm sorry. Like you have, there are many instances where your fans have also shown a lot of classlessness and you, and they know that that's the thing. They know that. And for them to say that our fans don't have class because we decide like, some of us decided to have a little bit of fun trash talk on Twitter, as opposed to like what some of your fans do to opposing fans at games. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Well, the thing is, just Yuri, don't go there. Look, Come on. The, the, and, and, and the honesty to add on to, to why I did it. Look, the world sucks right now. And there's so much going on out there that is serious. And it's just, it's, we're in an awful place as a society. And just if I could bring a little bit of levity and get people talking about other things and arguing about sports instead of that stuff, I mean, I feel like that's my little contribution to the world. So that, that's a little <laughs> bit of why I did it. I, I, look, there, again, there's just so much in the world right now, so much nastiness. And it, 
arguing about sports is is a lot better than arguing about life or death stuff. So that's that's well, kind of why I do it too. But it, it, it apparently, sure I get I get death threats. So maybe maybe it is life or death. I don't know. It was it sure was entertaining to watch, and uh, it's it's again you, the best analogy. You stepped in an ant pile, and the ants started scattering all over the place. But sometimes sometimes it makes it fun. Sometimes you know we we try to. Um, you know, we're always going to defend our school and I know a lot of these fans would do the same for them. And, and at the end of the day, we're just passionate about our teams, yep. you know, they were just passionate about our teams, but anyway, moving on, that was fun to talk about. I got a kick out of that. And, uh, yeah, Nick was bored. So when Nick's bored, he just riles up fan bases anyway, <laughs> moving on. So Cajuns basketball basketball season is pretty much here. Uh, raging Cajuns men's basketball had a preseason game the other night. Uh, they hosted UT Tyler. Cajuns were victorious over UT Tyler by the score of 80 to 57. Looks like a lot of guys got some play time. It looks like they were up by, uh, I think, as much as 34 points in the second half. And uh, some of the bench guys came in, didn't really play too well down the stretch. But I know Coach Marlin wasn't ha as happy about that as he would have liked to have been. But for the most part, I think what you can expect from this team, after losing both Terrence Lewis and Jordan Brown, I think you're going to see a team that's going to be a little bit more of guards play this year. You're going to see a team that's going to shoot the ball a little bit more because of the inside presence uh, being kind of absent of what it was last year. But you're still going to see guys like Kobe Julian play in the paint. And so I, I expect a little bit of a mixture of both. I expect some some play in the paint, and I expect a good, a good bit of a perimeter shooting. So um, I did hear that they do have a lot of speed moving up and down the court. So hopefully we have a few good fast breaks. And you know, I think it's it's always, you know, Coach Bob Marlin team, it all the success always relies on the health of the team. A lot of times we've had injuries, and um, in the last couple of years, the injury bug has kind of plagued us a little bit. Last year, we were pretty much healthy for most of the season. Let's hope it falls the same way this year and see what we can do. Uh, the Cajuns were picked fifth preseason uh, in the preseason poll in the Sun Belt, so I know some of those players feel disrespected. But uh, they get a chance to prove themselves this Monday night. Cajuns will have the season opener hosting Youngstown State in the Cajun Dome. Tip-off is for 7.30. And um, you can watch the game on ESPN Plus or listen to the game on 96.5 KPEL. Just FYI, okay, I did some research on this the other day just for fun. I texted this to you, Nick, and I was pretty upset about it. If you're going to the game, I would suggest buying the ticket at the gate. I went online to Ticketmaster and for a $5.50 ticket, okay, $5.50 for one ticket, right? That's that's very affordable for a basketball game. You would think with the fees and the taxes, it might be no more than 10 bucks. Nick, for a $5.50 ticket with the fees and taxes included, $21. Yeah, think about bringing, okay, I'm going to bring the family to a Cajuns game for 20 bucks, and then that turns into a $60 affair, right? Or $80 oh. affair, actually, if you're doing yeah, four. four. So, and then, by the way, you got to pay, you know, $8 for a bottle of water and $15 for popcorn. Look, yeah, you, you, it, can't, yeah. you can't have it both ways, right? You either have cheap tickets and expensive concessions or expensive tickets and cheap concessions. But when you got both, you ain't enticing anybody to go. So they, they gotta I, I said it, I said it, we gotta get out of this Ticketmaster deal, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that's the case very soon because that's ridiculous. 
Well, I mean, how, how is anybody going to be able to afford that for one? I mean, if, if it's a, if a $5 or $6 ticket is 21 bucks, what's a $15 ticket or a $16 ticket, right? It's like 50 bucks for one ticket. So for those of you going to the game against Youngstown State, I would definitely re- like just definitely suggest go to the gate I, or buy it at the ticket office at the Cajun Dome before the game. I don't think that fees are going to be as bad as what you would get online. Don't quote me on that. I'm guessing they'll be a little bit uh, less expensive than than that uh, that craziness that you get when you go to the website. So uh, just a little bit of word of caution there if you're looking to purchase tickets for that game. Moving on to women's basketball, Coach Gary Broadhead and the ladies bas- or women's basketball team and the ladies are ready to go next Monday. They will actually tip off the first game of a doubleheader with the men's basketball team. They will take on Spring Hill College on Monday, tip off at 5 o'clock. Admission to that game is free, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you can watch that game on ESPN Plus as well or listen on um, 103.3 The Goat or 14.20 a.m. And the Cajuns are the Cajuns women's basketball team picked sixth preseason. So both men's and women's fifth and sixth preseason picks in the Sun Belt. I think both teams have a lot to prove there. Moving on to volleyball. So Coach Christy Gray and the girls closed out the homestand this past weekend. They went two for two against the ULM Warhawks. They won each match by the score of three sets to one. Their overall record right now stands at 15 and 11, six and six in conference play. And they will travel to Hattiesburg Thursday and Friday night to take on Southern Miss. Both games will be at 6 p.m. You can watch both matches on ESPN+. Plus. Best of luck to the UL women's volleyball team. UL women's soccer, their season came to a close the other night. They lost a heartbreaker to Texas State by the score of 2-1 to one in Foley, Alabama for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. So with that loss, their season comes to an end. They finish with a record of 7-9-2 four and six in conference play. And I just want to say, look, I know they finished below 500, but it's safe to say that, look, Coach Coach McBride, compared to what he had to deal with last year, the team is making a lot of improvements and they've improved this year tremendously. So I just know the only way for this program is up. And so I do want to say great job on the upward trajectory of this year. I know it's only going to get better from here to the seniors. Thank you for everything you did wearing that uniform. And I want to wish the girls the best of luck uh, going into the offseason. And uh, hopefully Coach McBride can bring some more talent to this team because they are on the rise right now. So a job well done to the women's soccer team. Yeah, yeah, like you said, he had a lot to deal with last year. This is I feel like this is his first normal year as head coach. Um, But look, and and the same goes for for women's basketball and and every sport, really. We're starting to set set. I wouldn't say goals, but expectations for all of our sports across the board. So nobody's nobody's exempt from from being critical. Um, so it's not where we want to be, but I think you've got to give him a little bit of time to make this his program. And I think this was the first step this season. Oh, absolutely. And not to mention the fact that they they won compared. I think they won two games last year. They won yeah. seven. And actually exactly. some of their losses were close losses is they could have gone either way. So definitely progress has been shown and 
you know, we're going to see how much of an upper trajectory we have this time next year. Hopefully they're competing for a Sunbelt Conference Championship uh, next year, and I, I expect them to because they are getting better. So once again, um, great job to the ladies' soccer team. Best of luck to you in the offseason, and let's keep this train rolling. Cajuns Golf. The Cajuns golf team went to Hawaii last week at the Ka'anapali Classic Collegiate Invitational. They had three days of competition on Thursday. They tied for 10th. On Friday, they were in the they came in 11th place. And on Saturday, they tied for 12th out of 20 teams. This was actually the last tournament of the fall. They will take a three-month break before getting back in action for the Hal Williams Collegiate Tournament in Mobile, Alabama, hosted by South Alabama on February 12th, which is Mardi Gras weekend. So uh, great job to the Cajuns golf team. Coach Theo and his golf team, they got a lot to work on going into next year. Got a title to defend as starting on Mardi Gras weekend in Mobile. Diamond Sports, guess what? We got softball and baseball this weekend. If you want to preview the spring season, might as well go to Lampson or the Teague. Uh, Cajun softball, free admission as they host McNeese. The first pitch on Friday will be at 6 p.m. And uh, I think there's concessions in they will be selling in Lampson. I don't think outside food or drink will be allowed. So uh, this is your last chance to check out the, uh, the softball team before their long winter break and before their first pitch in the spring. Again, Cajun softball against McNeese Cowboys or Cowgirls. Uh, first pitch at 6 o'clock, free admission at Lamson Park this Friday. And put me in, Coach. I'm ready to play. Let's go check out a little bit of baseball this weekend. Cajuns Baseball will host Nichols on Sunday, November 5th at the Teague. First pitch at 1 o'clock, 15-inning scrimmage, if I'm not mistaken, against Nichols. And admission will be free. Uh, I'm actually thinking about heading out there, maybe taking the wife and the little one out if the weather's good. Get a few innings of baseball, maybe spend an hour or two out there, enjoy a little bit of a uh, fall ball. I love, I mean, we all love Cajuns baseball. So what better way to enjoy it than uh, get a little bit of a preview of what we can expect in the spring. So again, Cajuns baseball will take on Nichols Sunday at 1 p.m. at the Teague and admission is free. Yeah. One thing to mention about the softball game. So the softball game on Friday night, um, for, for those of you who are interested in going, it's actually dedicated to a young lady, Madeline Daigle, out of Crowley. She's battling cancer, and so they're asking fans to wear orange um, for for her. It's a strikeout cancer type of event. I think there, there are going to be a lot of things in play there. I think they're going to have cameras, and they're gonna. this is going to be a, a, a well-publicized event. So I know our softball fans are going to show up, but if you do, just remember, wear orange to support Madeline Um you know, cancer sucks. And I think everyone who's watching this or listening or you and I, Jerry, we've all been affected by cancer in some, some way, shape or form. So, um, this is a great, great honoring of a young lady. So, uh, very proud of our program to be supporting Madeline in the way they are. No question about it. Always. Like I said, anytime there's something for charity or, uh, an event or a game that's dedicated to a cause like that is worth checking out. So, uh, for those of you on Friday night have not much else to do, if you had a long week of work and you want to go enjoy some stress-free softball, go check out go check out the Lampson Park and see the Cajuns in action. They've actually been playing very well this fall. Um, 
You know, you look at they've been undefeated. They've they've hit the ball a lot. They haven't really given up too many runs. You know, pretty much picking up from where they left off last year, and you can expect a great, great season coming up in 2024. And also, by the way, I'm going to switch the topic once again. Um, there was a TSAB commit that uh, just recently announced his commitment to UL. That'd be Owen Galt. And uh, I, I watched some of his, his film. Dude can hit the ball. Um, dude can play defense. I believe he's a, he's a shortstop, maybe? I can't he's remember. He's definitely an infielder. He's an infielder, yeah. He's an infielder, but, yeah. But we got a good one in Owen Galt. So excited to get him on campus. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, Gunner, the whole coaching staff, they're doing some work. Coach Gunner Leger doing work, man. Getting that bar connection over here. Love it. Love it. So before we go, we do this every week. Give a prediction. Cajuns versus Arkansas State this weekend. I do expect a win. Nick, what's your prediction against the Red Wolves? I hate this, Jerry, because you know if I'm wrong, then they're going to be receipts and they're going to be posting this on Twitter or whatever X and they're going to say, we told you, I can't believe you picked that. Uh, but look, I, I think we're going to take care of business. I know this is a trap game, but I feel like we're going to be prepared. I'm looking for the Cajuns to win and win big. I'm looking at a score around 31 to 13. Nice. Nice. Even if it's 31 to 30, you're still six. I'm happy. Eligible. <laughs> <laughs> Look, two years ago, right? Two years ago, Arkansas State finished two and 10 on the year. And we were 13 and one, 16th in the country, won a Sunbelt championship. And what happened? We beat them 28 to 27. And it took us a 99 yard touchdown run by Montreal Johnson and a 10 yard drive to end the game to win by one point. Yeah. So, and I think, I think Arkansas State's going to come and score seven real quick, but I think we're going to, we're going to shut it down after that. So. I think it's still going to be a big win. I'll be okay with that. So I'm going to give you my prediction real quick. Uh, I'm like you. I think the Cajuns will will score points. I think we'll do just enough. I, I do expect Arkansas State to actually – I think their offense is going to – I think their offense is going to do enough to give us a little bit of a scare early on being at home. And, again, crazier things have happened with the juju between our two schools, especially in Jonesboro. But I think Coach Lamar Morgan, his his staff, and this defense are going to make the plays when it matters, especially towards the end. And I do think that we're going to force a key turnover or two like we did last week. I also think our offense is going to be able to move the ball both in the air and on the ground. I expect Jacob Cabote to make another long touchdown run. I expect Zeon to do some magic. And I expect maybe one or two surprises from my receiving core and tight ends as well. I like the Cajuns victorious over the Red Wolves, extending that streak to six, making the Cajuns bowl eligible i'm going louisiana 34 arkansas state 24 love it either way like like you said it could be a point and uh i'd be good with it it's a, it's a dub man i'll take the dub but we gotta we gotta take care of business gotta keep our heads down and focus one game season from here on out for the next four weeks that's what really matters nick final thoughts before we go my friend no man um look uh big chance this weekend to to start that or continue the momentum we have to winning the West. So uh, business, business like weekend, go out there, take care of business and have some fun and uh, get a win in uh, Jonesboro. Will, they, will there be a watch party at the Domain household for all of the Cajun alumni in the Houston, Texas area this weekend? You know, I, I haven't, I told you I was in a bad mood last night and I haven't really thought about it tonight because we've been doing this, but uh, 
I would say if you're in the Bridgeland, Cypress, Texas, Katy area, hit me up. Spring, I know we got some one of our listeners in spring. Hit me up because I'm sure I can throw something together real quick and uh, we can have a, a little watch party at the Domain Residence. Love it. Love it. So you hear that, everybody, in Houston. Nick's having another watch party. So <laughs> Nick's going to have like a – it's going to be like his – you know, your neighborhood. It's going to be like Rhythms on the River in your Thanks neighborhood. Thanks for committing me. Games. Yeah. Thanks for, for putting that <laughs> commitment out on my behalf. I appreciate it. You don't have to cook or do anything. So it's hey, look at it, But look at it like this. It's going to be cold enough to where you don't have to worry about anybody jumping in your pool. Well, I mean, if it's a close game and bets start happening and the liquor is flowing, then – well, that's, that's, that's gonna happen <laughs> that's a good point anyway guys that's gonna do it for tonight please don't forget like subscribe comment show us your love on facebook twitter youtube instagram twitch you can hear us on apple itunes and spotify nick will probably have this episode up probably either tomorrow or the next couple days right nick um and tomorrow afternoon to, yes yep you'll get to hear us all over again if you weren't able to see us now but with that said one last reminder louisiana raging cages take on the arkansas state red wolves saturday kickoff at two o'clock you can watch the game on espn2 listen to the game on hot 10 uh, hot 1079 1033 the goat or i believe 1420 a.m as well man we had a good time tonight. That was a lot of fun, Nick. Always good times. Good times. We man. will be back, and we will we will definitely return. Hopefully for a post game. Hopefully a happy post game like last weekend after the game against Arkansas State. For Nick, I'm Jerry. Thanks for you guys tuning in tonight. Thank you for your participation. We will see you on the other side. As always, go Cajuns in the in the the words. The late, great, big Dave Thibodeau for the last time. Bye. We out of here. See you on Saturday.